it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. TC Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Hodgson. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. is now in hour number two glad to have you with us on this wednesday we get ready for game number six tonight the vegas school of the knights on the road in st paul minnesota taking on the minnesota wild three games to two that's where the series stands right now and the gold knights coming off that loss to the wild two nights ago four to two was the final it was a night which we talked about quite a bit on yesterday's show, where the Knights dominated the play. They had all the action in their end. They outshot the Wild 40-14. to They outshot them 22-1 to in the second period. At the end of the first period, they trailed three goals. They trailed three to one, and the Wild had three goals on seven shots. Wow. Really didn't score again until the empty netter in the final seconds. And that wasn't meant to score. Course, he was just wasn't. trying to bank it out and get yeah. out of there, and it happened yeah. to have that, you know, it was, like, it was like shooting pool and doing a bank shot that worked. Right. All right. So a wild game in front of 12,000 screaming fans there at T-Mobile Arena on Monday night. So the Golden Knights had an opportunity to close out this series on their home ice. Believe it or not, they've had uh, several opportunities to do that in the past. And they have not got the job done. They have closed out series, obviously, on the road. And every one of them has come on the road. So tonight, they have a chance to do that tonight. The question is, do they get it done tonight? Yes, will they get it done is the question. Uh, Other things that people are still talking about because they love the soap opera aspects of it. Pete DeBoer did say today that Max Pacioretty is skating. Don't read too much into that. He made the triple, though, we know. Well, uh, uh, we didn't know if he made the trip in games uh, three and four. Yeah, yeah, and we didn't know that until I guess today or something like that uh, about today. So the same with Nosek, it was the same type thing. But just because he's out there skating, generally when people put on the skate for the first time when they've been injured, they're still a couple weeks away. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that plays out. And we're always looking for the first goalie off the net, uh, off the ice. Oh yeah. Well, Mark Andre Fleur and Robin Leonard walked off the ice together today (laughs) in a tandem, just to make it something else for people to talk about. Let's go back to this, because a lot of people aren't really aware of what that means and certain idiosyncrasies of NHL teams. And we hear that a lot about, well, you know, the goalie, he's the, you know, Marc-Andre Fleur was the first off the ice. That means that he's starting. Tell me where this comes from. Well, it basically comes from the fact that, and, and not every team does it exactly the same, but the first goalie off the ice is the one who's had his warm-ups, he's going through the practice as much as he wants to, and now he's going to go rest up and get his mind right and everything and get prepared for the game. The other goalie that's not starting can stay on the ice, work with the other players that are staying on the ice, get a little more work, and in that doesn't matter if he's going to get a little bit more tired or worn out or have to face more practice because the starting goaltender is already off the ice and resting and getting ready mentally for the game. 
So the first goalie off the ice is generally the goalie that will start the game that night. You wouldn't think, and a lot of people think, okay, you're practicing together. Why don't you exit together? You know, practice well, because over a lot as of the, a team. Yeah, but, but, but because a lot of the players want to stay on even after practice is officially sure. over and still work on shots right. and work on the tip drills right. and everything else, right. it's usually better to work on tip drills with a goalie in the net if you have that option. Right. So the goalie that's not starting will stay out there and get himself a little bit more work. Mm-hmm. There it is. So, and uh, what's the percentage that that? Uh, I mean, no one knows for sure. I don't know for sure, but I'd I'd say it's upper nineties. I mean, yeah. it's the, the first goalie off the ice is generally yeah. the goalie. But again, today was also another optional skate, and you're going up there. They they were at the XL Energy Center, so it's where they're going to be playing the game tonight. I don't know if they did it and they decided during if they knew it before they were hit yeah. the ice today. I know I I saw a couple of people. I think it was Ken from Sinbin that uh, tweeted out, and if it was somebody else, I do apologize. But he said. I'd love to see them just skate off the ice hand-in-hand hand and kind of skipping right. off the ice or something. Right. So that is something I don't necessarily want to see, but it might be funny. And knowing Flurry, it's a possibility. Who knows <laughs> both of their personalities and that. They're very different types of goaltenders, but they're both very vocal on social media and different things. Wouldn't surprise me if we saw that someday. But who's starting tonight? I guess we have two goaltenders tonight because they went off the ice together. So, you know, did the, let, let's check the review like they're checking for offsides. Yeah. Whose skate hit the off-ice first? Was I, I don't know, but, but, you, but people love the sideshow and the soap yeah. opera aspect of everything. Well, that's the thing. You know as well as I do that every time there is a game, and even if there's not a goalie controversy, we hear media talk about that. Oh, so-and-so was the first guy off the ice today. It's like... Stop it already. It's like it, that is like breaking news or it's a big story. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll see who's in net. We got an idea who's going to be in net anyway, but let's just wait and see. But as you know, that is always a, a, a big deal. And I like that's a pseudo story. It's really not that big of a deal. Well, but people like when make it. And, they, and, the, and the players know about this because they hear about this. It's like, okay. And so I guarantee you that's why they walked off together because – they're trying to throw a little curveball. Hey, media makes such a big deal out of this. They're trying to create, like, oh, there's some controversy. Flurry lost a game. Technically, he gave up four goals. Well, he gave up three goals. Yeah, he gave up three he goals. Up three and, goals. And remember, even that, when he gave up the third goal, what do we hear? Uh, do you pull Fleur at this point? Oh, yeah. Are they going to pull Flower? I know that was going on again. I Absolutely. Yeah. They, they talked about it in the other game when uh, he gave up the two and then the right. one that was disallowed. Are you pulling? Oh, wait, that's a disallowed goal. Okay, so... So what? So he didn't give it. He still gave up the goal. He just got, he was lucky that they were offside before he gave it up. And then all of a sudden the talk of pulling him is, oh, now it doesn't exist anymore because that goal didn't count. You mentioned that a few games ago. We talked about that. Uh, Gary Lawless said that. When you were watching the broadcast the other night and Flory gave up the three goals in the first parade, was any announcer mentioning that? Oh, yes. Were they said it again? Yes. No, there was talk of it. There was talk of it on the national feed. Boy, three goals on a because like I say, it was I think it was the first five shots. I know there were seven shots in a period. It, it might have been the seventh, but I believe it because I think he made, actually made a couple of stops. But and again, the goals weren't necessarily his fault. There there was maybe one or two that you think Flurry's going to save in the way he's been playing right now. But yeah, it's like the same talk was there. Now, as it turns out, with that second period, you could have put you or I in there, <laughs> and and they still wouldn't have given up a goal. It was twenty two to one. As long as you stop the one weak chance by Benino. They weren't scoring in the second. But no, but, but that's what people do. Just like how many times you see, oh, here's your skating lines today. Hey, Nick Wall was skating up with the third line today. Or this guy was on the second line. Or so-and-so was working on the team with the power play. And, and you always read that kind of stuff if you follow these things exclusively. 
Now, sometimes it just happens to be, well, if somebody takes an optional skate day and they don't skate, you have to put somebody else on that line. So, But all of a sudden it becomes like, a, who's skating on the first line tonight? Mm-hmm. So-and-so wasn't there. Well, he wasn't on the ice. Of course he wasn't there. <laughs> Braden McNabb has been uh, put on the uh, – the COVID protocol list. He is unavailable oh, okay. tonight, so he will not. Now play. that's big because that's a big physical presence for the Vegas. Not Golden only that, Knights. and now that changes your defensive alignment, right? Yeah, I'm, well, it, it changed, and, and it's funny too because I know I've heard some people talking about you know what Shea Theodore as well as he's been playing on defense all year long, and he's a potential Norris Trophy candidate down the road in that. He has not been playing well with Petrangelo. Right. It's like he's lost his offensive game. And I tend to agree with what I've been hearing other people say to a, to a certain extent, too. I think he respects Petrangelo so much that he's favoring him. He's giving up some of his offense to always just throw it back to Alex and see what he can do. Shea Theodore's got to get that mindset again that, wait a second, I'm a young superstar. I'm a budding star in this league. I don't think he's taken his offense to the level that it was before because I think he's over-respecting the guy that he's out there with. I don't think it would be the worst idea in the world to see them split those two up just to get Shea back thinking offense again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So McNabb will not play, listing COVID protocols. So yes, this is still happening out there. So, um, yeah, that, that will be a blow for the night's night. So 6 o'clock is the face-off tonight, game number 6 in St. Paul. Again, the Wild defeat uh, the Golden Knights 4-2 to two in Game 5. Golden Knights have a chance to close it out. Uh, they lead the series three games to do, as we know. That second period that we always talk about, the Golden Knights have been dominant. So dominant, the numbers speak to this. Golden Knights have outscored Minnesota 8-1 to one in that pivotal second period. And that has been... Pretty much the difference. And, and that includes the last game where they technically outscored them one to nothing, even though they outshot them 22 yeah. to one. Yeah. I mean, they've been dominant. But it's, but, and it's not just, I believe Minnesota was outscored by like 61 goals in the regular season in the second period. Right. They're terrible in the second period for whatever reason. Whatever their coach is saying to the team between the first and second, you need a new script or a new writer or something. Or maybe you just need to shut up and say nothing. Because what they've been doing has not worked. And I'm curious to see, and I know you can't do anything stupid and take a dumb penalty, but I'm curious to see if anybody from the Vegas Golden Knights gets physical early in the game with Greenway. Because remember, Greenway's the guy that took the shot at Marc-Andre Fleury in, in the last game. And I know it's a playoff game and it's an elimination yeah. game, and like I say, you can't do something dumb, but I would be surprised. If we don't see a Carrier, a Reeves, if McNabb was in there, he's one of the guys that I would thought maybe would have been involved in something like this. Look for some kind of check or even jostling during a faceoff or something where maybe they even are willing to drop the gloves or something if they both go off equally. Someone's got to step up and let Greenway know you're not doing that to 29 on the VGK because nobody did it in that game. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be to the extent we saw what the Caps and the Rangers when that thing we had that brouhaha, and then they the, the next game they because they, remember they played the night you know that was their next opponent played right. two nights later and the the moment the puck the puck was dropped boom yeah no we're not going to see chaos. something like we're that not, not that. in an elimination exactly. game and everything else yeah but there'll be a time when someone's going to pick a point yeah. and again if you drop the gloves and it's just mano a mano and they're both yeah. if Reeves yeah. and Greenway go off the ice. Who wins? I mean, right. you could argue that Greenway might be a more valuable player for Minnesota than sure. Reeves is for, you know. So, yeah. 
But again, someone's got to get physical. Now, I'm not saying dirty. I'm not saying chippy. I'm not saying slew foot him or something to try to injure somebody. But someone's got to at least check him into the boards hard and say, by the way, you ever do that to Flower again, and it's on. Yeah. Because we can't allow that with Mark Andre Fleury. You know, there is a fine line with that, too, from an official standpoint, because as we're watching game number five, I mean, the, it was very physical. And I believe, I don't know when the first penalty was called, but I mean, that first penalty wasn't called until deep into the second period. I the think rest have right? kind of been blowing their whistle, which is customary for the old time, the old days of yeah. what they did in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm saying, I mean, there was two penalties in a game, exactly. And both of them were against Minnesota, by <laughs> exactly. the way. Exactly. Yeah. No, oh, I mean, and, and again, yeah. you see guys they let fall, play, and that's why I mentioned just when a guy falls on on the ice all the time, and the crowd is chanting, "Oh, the ref, you suck," and this that, and the other. Not everything's a penalty, but I will say in the playoffs. You do see more penalties that aren't called than you do in the regular season. Right. Sometimes things are penalties in the regular season, and I've never understood or agreed with that type of officiating as long as you're consistent back and forth. And that's another thing to watch for tonight. Do the referees set a tone? Are they going to call something early because they know that you know that this is something that could get out of hand and they want to get it under control early? And I guarantee they're going to be watching when Greenway hits the ice to see what Vegas does to him. Because someone has to take some, again, not a dirty run or something like that, but they've got to let him know, by the way, what you did last game, mm -mm, we are not accepting that. I will take the over in penalties right now. Whatever that number is, it's definitely going to be more than two tonight. Guarantee it. And I think they will. It's an elimination game because, again, both teams really took advantage of the referees swallowing their whistles, not using those whistles in game five on Monday night. It's going to be physical tonight, and I think the referees are going to. You know, we're going to see these uh, questionable hooking calls and that sort of thing. I just got that feeling, where you, and you have to. You're going to have to clean it up because, again, it's such a fine line. If you let something slide over, that well, he got away with that, so we can't call that, that sort of thing. And we've seen that in NBA playoff games as well, too. We've seen in big-time college uh, basketball games, too. It's like, okay, we're going to set the tone early. Don't necessarily agree with it because then – you know, unlike hockey, when you're dealing with basketball, you are getting potentially your superstars in foul trouble, and that affects the overall course of the game and how you can play. And again, I mean, you know, with the NHL, I mean, it's not like you're, you're kicking a guy out unless you know he's got a major or something or a couple majors. Yeah, a, a double minor could really hurt a team. Yeah. Obviously, a major could yeah. be a big thing. The other thing that I want to watch tonight is I want to watch in front of the Nets because if they are letting them play and get physical, you know, can guys get in front of the net? Uh, we saw Alex Tuck get in front of the net a few times in that last game. And Minnesota was basically cross-checking him, and he was giving it back to him, but they weren't calling this stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. I'd like to see Alex do that more. We said it all the time. He's got the size. I love when he comes on and he uses his size and his speed, and he makes one of those breakaway goals or goes behind the net and makes something happen in that. But this is a guy that needs to be in front of the net more making stuff happen because as good as he is and as good a season as he's had, he should be getting garbage goals, and I'm not sure that he gets enough of them. So I'm curious to see how they call that tonight. Are they going to let – because Minnesota, when they're playing their best, nobody's in front of their net. Cam Talbot gets a clean look at it, and even if he gives up a rebound, there's three defensemen there to clear it out of there. But if Tuck or Stone or some other guys can get in front of the net – and they're allowed to be there, then they can be dangerous. Same thing on the other end of the ice. 
you know, if if, if Minnesota's in front of the net and Vegas isn't clearing them out, you know, if Fiala and Greenway and some of those guys get in front of their, they want to make it difficult on Marc-Andre Fleury. Both of these goalies are seeing the puck very well. Again, Flower didn't have his greatest period last game in the first period, but he's been sensational all season long. You know, which goalie is going to have the more difficult time seeing the puck? Because it could be one of those games where the goals we see aren't going to be ones that are necessarily soft goals. They're going to be those things that bouncing off people and it's a scrum in front, goalie laying on his back. I think there's going to be physicality, but I'm curious to see how the refs call it. Are they calling stuff early to set a stage, or are they going to take their whistles and go, okay, boys, let's go, you know, you know like, like the, the boxing thing or something like that. Yeah. You, this corner ready, this corner ready, ring the bell. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to err on the side of caution tonight, just from what we've seen thus far. And again, elimination game, it is too important. All right, it's been virtually impossible to predict the outcome of these games. You want to give it a shot or what? Because uh, I, I can tell you, I mean, I really thought the Golden Knights would, would close thing out, close the things out the way they had been playing, especially, you know, games two, three, uh, you know, four, well, actually three, four, and five, and then uh, home ice having not done it, the 12,000 fans there. Now you flip the script a little bit. Minnesota definitely has momentum on their side, and now their fans are going to be going crazy. They're 0-2 at home. It's like, okay, you figure that they've got to win at home here. Hard to predict what's going to happen tonight. It is hard to predict, and I, and I don't know. If I had to make a guess, I think Minnesota is going to come out like a bolt of lightning. They're going to try to get physical early. I think they need a goal or two in the first period because the second period has been so bad. I don't think Vegas can count on them having a a horrible second period. But they kind of have this whole series, and like we said, the whole season, I think Vegas can come from behind a little bit easier. For Minnesota, I think the key to them is play like you did in Vegas. Don't play like you did those two. Don't try to be so fine. Don't try to be a finesse team. Be what you are. Muddy up the neutral zone. Get physical. Get in front of the net. Knock guys on their butt. That's when they're playing their best. Counterpunch. For Vegas, just do what you do best. Vegas is the better team, I believe. They're the deeper team. They have more talent out there. But they can't fall into Minnesota's game. You've got to go in front of the net. Nobody wants to be in front of the net getting hit in the ankles and cross-checked in the ribs and smacked in the back of the head. It's not fun. But you know what? If you do that... You might end the series a game early, and then you don't have to make another one on Friday or something like that. You want to get the victory here. You don't want to come back to T-Mobile as much as you love T-Mobile and their fans where you lost the last game, you've never won an elimination game there, and anything can happen in a game seven. But Vegas needs to play Vegas Golden Knights hockey. They need to use their speed. They need to dump and chase if they're forced to, but if they can bring it in. And they've got to show Minnesota that they're not going to let Minnesota push them around. If Minnesota's pushing it around, advantage wild. If Vegas can take it blow by blow and just use skill, then I think Vegas wins. And I still think Cam Talbot's one of the keys. He was really good the last game. He wasn't that great the last two games at the XL Energy Center. Right. How's he going to be tonight? I think Marc-Andre Fleury bounces back strong. Yeah, Defensively, Minnesota definitely made some adjustments from game number four to five. They, yeah. they definitely did that. And again, and, and Prisbalov has been better, too. The yeah. youngster has seemed to gotten a little bit yeah. more. He's understanding playoff hockey now even. He's even blocking yeah. shots here and there. I know Dave Shane said that uh, with Brian earlier today. But, you know, he, he's kind of getting the idea of what playoff hockey in the USA and the NHL is. So, you know, it, it, it will be interesting. I still think Vegas is a better team. 
But I think Vegas needs to yeah. play this game like it is a game seven. They, do. they don't want to come back to T-Mobile. And we've talked about this before where they got to put the puck in the net. I mean, again, 40 shots and, and you're only putting the puck in, in the net tw- twice. I mean, uh, and, that, and let's be honest, that second goal was not only a power play goal, right. but it was because one of the Minnesota players broke his stick. Right. They were essentially playing five on three. Right. You know, I mean, and, and Martinez said, hey, look, we got to throw it over to me and let me take the shot here yeah. because they're out, they're actually playing like two men down yeah. to their credit. And that's what Alec Martinez and that veteran leadership and winning Stanley Cups does. He spotted that immediately and called for the puck because he saw the advantage Vegas had. But you can't count on somebody breaking a stick when you're on a power play to get a goal out there. They took advantage. Those opportunities are very rare. Yep. All right. Look forward to it. Game six tonight. Six o'clock is faceoff. Uh, it is a do-or-die game pretty much for the Minnesota Wild. Uh, they have to win this game. If they do win, we're going to have a game seven at T-Mobile Arena and that could be very, very interesting on Friday night. And that so. game also could have implications on when the Silver Knights play their game, apparently, because they're yep. playing some games there, uh, and I know they're going to be playing at T-Mobile, which the Silver Knight players are pretty ecstatic about. about. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Playing in a big stadium. All right, see what happens tonight. Game number six, see if the Knights can close it out this time. From a betting perspective, Knights a $1.35 road favorite in this game. So I think the Knights are going to do it. Don't have to lay too much to get it done. And again, success there in this series in Minnesota. But uh, is it a puck line game. game for you then? I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. See, because I, I can guarantee I am not losing tonight's game because yeah. there's no way I'm betting this game. Yeah, yeah. It, it maybe is an in-game wager type thing once I got a feel for yeah. how the game was going, but I'm not doing that either. If I'm touching one thing tonight, and again, I don't like laying a lot of points, it, it's, it'd be with the, the Jazz tonight. That's, okay. that's where it'd be for me yeah. if I'm doing it. And if I get burned on that one again, then... Uh, I'm out of business for a while. Jazz are, jazz are going grizzly hunting. I think so. Don't you think? I mean, do you see? It, it, I have the, it, it. Has it has that feeling about it. You it, see, it certainly has that feeling about it. You see it. What, what Brooklyn's done so far, and you see what the Bucks did in their last game. All the talk about what Miami did to Milwaukee last year, and they embarrassed them. And then Miami narrowly, uh, bar- almost won that game. Number one, they sent Milwaukee to overtime, and then everyone was talking like, "Wow!" I mean, Miami probably just has the Bucks number. Everyone thought the Bucks were going to, you know, at least get to the Eastern Conference Final and face off against Brooklyn. And then Milwaukee said, wait, wait a minute, uh, we got to make a statement here. And they won by like 35 the other night. I think that mentality is going to hit the Jazz, and I'm thinking the Jazz are going to blow them out, just like we've seen with Brooklyn. It's like, hey, we're not playing around. We're going to put up 132 on the board as well, too. So I'm thinking that's what we see with the Jazz because, again, they're the number one seed. A lot of people are surprised at the number one seed, but they're the number one seed over the course of 72 games – where they were dominant. I mean, just a, a great outside shooting team, uh, great personnel, playing at home in Salt Lake. I mean, it gives you the old sense of Carl Malone and John Stockton in those days when that was an impossible place to play if you're an opponent. And uh, I was thinking that's going to be the case when Memphis came in, but you're right. I think they took them lightly. The Donovan Mitchell thing, being benched right after the shoot-around, wait a minute, yeah. If, if the Jazz are for real, if they're for real tonight, they win going away. To me, the one advantage that Memphis has, if they have an advantage in this, is that I think they realize they're playing with house money. No doubt. Because they shouldn't even have been here. No doubt. Yeah. I no mean, doubt. if it wasn't for that stupid play-in tournament, yeah. which apparently we may not be done seeing. Oh, we're not, unfortunately. But, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, they got to be going, <laughs> we're not even a playoff team. And 
hey, we're in the playoffs. Why not? Right. Hey, if the seven seed is the favorite over the two, why can't we beat the one? <laughs> All right. So we were going to touch upon this yesterday, speaking of the NBA real quick, the Atlanta Hawks and the New York Knicks. And that's kind of a weird series. We talked with Bill Cartwright about this yesterday. You know, the Knicks playing at the Garden uh, amazing that you know we're getting this back because the Knicks have been so horrible for such a long time. It was like, okay, uh, is, is are the Knicks for real? They're a four seed, you know. They they are for real. They are they are pretty good, but uh, they had a very important message from the mayor of New York City uh, yesterday. De Blasio, yeah, Ted, uh, Bill, Bill De Blasio, yeah, Bill De Blasio. E- exactly. And uh, so Trey Young who is the star of the uh, former Long Krugers player over at the University of Oklahoma, having a great season this year with the Atlanta Hawks, uh, basically buried uh, the Knicks. He shot in the fire. silencer, as the old saying goes. Exactly. All right. So they're getting ready for game two coming up uh, you know, tomorrow. So here's what Dil, uh, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York, had to say in this very important message to the people of New York City. This topic for one second. This is about basketball. I have an important official announcement. Uh, this is very serious. We want to get this out. Uh, message to Trey Young uh, on behalf of the people of New York City and, and anyone who cares about actually playing basketball the right way. Stop hunting for fouls, Trey. Uh, I want to quote Steve Nash, one of the great player, great coach. He says, quote unquote, that's not basketball. Trey, Trey, that hawk's not going to fly in New York City. Come on. Play the game the right way. See if you can win. I think the Knicks are going to teach you a lesson. That's, that's, that is the mayor of New York City. Okay, uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. Not Senator Bill Bradley, the former Nick, talking. No. Bill de Blasio with his Knicks hat on. We've seen him before with his Brooklyn Nets hat on. What the heck was that? <laughs> Well, he's playing both sides. He's basically saying, hey, look, I love New York. Yay, New York, everything. I, I just wonder who wrote that little thing for him hmm. with that Hawks not going to fly thing. Oh, yeah. Ooh, that was clever. Ooh, yeah, you got us there. And by the way, I respect Steve Nash. That's not how you play the game? That's not basketball? Have you seen LeBron James oh, and a lot of players out there? Don't get me going with that. Give me a break with don't try to get a foul yeah. called. They all do that. Every player that ever misses a shot in an NBA was fouled because that's why he missed it. And every player that had the foul never committed one in their life. And we saw it again with LeBron James last night against Phoenix. And we're doing the floparama again. Every time LeBron but James ever plays, we're going to. I'm LeBron James, I'm sure, does it in pickup basketball games at the local but, but, Y. But here's the deal, okay? You cannot name me another superstar. Another superstar that has ever done this. And this is repeated, repeatedly flopping. Like, whoa, I'm going down like a ton of bricks. Someone's backing him down, and he just flops. This guy is 6'8", 260 pounds, whatever he is. It's ridiculous. Don't bring weight into it. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Exactly. But, I mean, have you ever seen another superstar that claims he's a superstar. Was Lottie Divac a superstar? No, he wasn't. Then no. no exactly. No. <laughs> I know that. Was. Michael Jordan, <laughs> forget about it. Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, no, anybody, Michael Jordan didn't have to flop. Pistol Pete Maravich, Some people anybody. think he pushed the other guy away from exactly. him to get shots off. Exactly. And everyone wants to make the comparison to Jordan momentum. and James. <laughs> you don't do that. Why do you feel the need you need to do that? You know what that does? It just, it just it continues 
to erode people's confidence in him and losing the debate about the greatest of all time because people don't like that. They don't buy into that. It is garbage. You don't need to do that. You're supposed to be above that. Maybe today's soft society does like it. I don't know anymore because I don't understand this world. But you mentioned Jordan and James. You know the difference between the two? One walked on air, the other one flops on the court. I like it. Al Bernstein joins us next. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Don't forget to uh, go to rvdcbd.com for all of your needs there. That's right. rvdcbd.com. Use the promo code TCRVD for 21% off. That's right. Got a little pain, little aches and pains. You got the creams. You got the oils. Uh, we can testify to that. That's right. I said we because we both used it. Uh, great uh, for your injuries there. RVD CBD. And you want some smokables. You want the tinctures. You want the edibles. It's all there for you as well, too. RVDCBD.com. 21% off of everything on the website. Already affordably priced. Go check it out for you right there at RVDCBD.com. Your WWE Hall of Famer, Rob Van Dam. Good stuff there. All right. The icon of the edibles. Yes, that's true. <laughs> the WWE icons. And you can still catch that on the Peacock Network as well, too. All right. Our next guest, obviously, uh, a guy... Speaking of icons. Yeah, speaking of icons. I mean, he is the icon. I mean, the we, I could give him a, a seven-minute laundry list introduction of all the Hall of Fames he belongs to and all of his accolades and awards, but I think this time I'll just say our good friend, the multi-talented Al Bernstein. What is going on, my man? Hey, guys. How are you? Nice to visit with you. Yes. Yeah, it's been a... a- Busy, hectic time, and it's going to get busier and hecticer <laughs> as, as the summer goes on. I know. And Al, so you know, we were talking a little bit earlier. I got the uh, the press release uh, earlier today. Showtime, Mayweather Promotions, and there's my good friend Al Bernstein talking about being on the the broadcast again on your next uh, Showtime pay per view with. Floyd Mayweather Jr. and Logan Paul, my friend. There you go. You've got quite a list of entertainers and uh, and, and broadcasters with you on this uh, event. Yeah, Showtime kind of went into, uh, you know, it, listen, when you're trying to do these exhibition things, you know, I, I uh, appeared on the uh, the last Triller show, uh, which was intriguing, and uh, <laughs> they, as they try to kind of block out how they're going to do it now you know we're we're we, we're doing something where we're venturing into that territory and uh, it's all you know doing these exhibition matches with celebrities is uncharted territory so you have to kind of try and carve out the place where you think it'll make sense and showtime's brought on a couple of the comic people that work on the network uh brandon Schaub, who has been a comedian, but also it was an MMA performer, and all the boxing folks to handle the boxing parts and uh, to have a little fun with it. Right, and, and do you wa- have you uh, watched uh, Brandon Schaub's uh, Showtime stuff? And also, um, you know, uh, what's the 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 Jesus and and Marrow? I know that's on Showtime quite a bit. You get give that a shot because you are multi faceted, Al. I mean, you watch all these programs. I do. I try to look at them, and they're fun guys. They they have a, a fun attitude about things, and I think they'll bring that to this 
kind of endeavor, you know, and I think that was, it's kind of essential to do that in some ways. Uh, you have to find the right balance, right. Uh, and that's the tricky part, to find the right balance, to also not let it seep too strong into the regular boxing, uh, or and to have some fun with it, and I think that's the goal uh, of what, you know, we're kind of trying to do with it, and, uh, and satiate the people that are there because they're get they're they're Logan Paul fans and they're curious to see what Mayweather's up to, and then uh, with the regular boxing we have to make the boxing fans happy. So Al, do you go into this and do you think you know when you guys start having your production meetings if you haven't already when you when you start talking about this broadcast do you take a much different type of approach than you would say a a world championship event with yourself and and Moro Ranello and, and Abner Morris when uh, are you kind of going to go into this like maybe maybe not as serious or is it is a straight game plan as usual I think the the parts with the exhibition things you you change you alter your approach and I I don't know that I'm going to call those specific fights I may have a role in them but, uh, but whether I'm going to be on them remains to be seen. But, but even dealing with them and, and talking about it, I think you have to kind of alter your approach a little bit in terms of trying to have fun with it, but also talk about the boxing part a little bit uh, and, and mix in both of parts of it. Uh, when I'm calling the Bad Dude Jack uh, uh, John Pascal fight uh, and the and, – uh, uh, the other main boxing, I'm not going to change anything because that's right. what I do, and and I go into. But as far as being prepared and and trying to trying to have fun with things, I think you always going to go in the exact same way as you always do. Mm-hmm. We know that when Jake Paul fights, that they are trying to promote him as a legitimate boxer. They show his workouts, everything else. There's going to be an all access type of aspect to this thing here. Are they trying to present Logan Paul like that too? Have you seen his workouts? His he is is serious about being a boxer is his brother really is and is the theme of this fight nobody's oh will go <laughs> well you're talking about logan or you're talking about i'm, I'm talking Which about logan, logan cuz cuz jake they're logan. trying to make it sound like he is a legitimate fighter are they trying yeah. to do the same with logan because we know, know he's oh and one but i haven't seen the work out of him like i have with jake yeah i saw logan at the children actually and i talked to a bunch of boxing people who work out with him and they said that they thought he was getting a lot better and he was improving and uh, and how, where he's at in terms of his skill set and his skill level, that's a good question. You know, uh, obviously, you know, part of the lure of this is that he's got this huge following of people that want to see what he can do. Um, you know, Floyd Mayweather is Floyd Mayweather, and whether he's 45 or 62, he's going to know how to, what to do in the ring, you know. Uh, and, and he's, you know, he's a master craftsman, so... Uh, you know, part of the whole lure of this is he's fighting this bigger guy who's younger, who, you know, uh, so, you know, how, how that will equate in the ring is anybody's guess. All right. All right, uh, we have an audio statement here from Logan Paul uh, saying uh, what he uh, attempts to do against Floyd Mayweather Jr. You probably haven't heard this yet, Al. This is breaking news. Here we go. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. There you go. (laughs) Well, he is 18 years younger, right? (laughs) Who knew knew that was Logan Paul? Go figure. (laughs) Yes, we all remember that infamous night. Uh, 
talking about having some fun, right? And Larry, we, we all remember that infamous night when Larry Merchant's meds failed to kick in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's funny because I'm reading the press release today and, you know, I understand you're, you're trying to sell this thing. You want to get pay, pay-per-view, uh, you know, buyers and that sort of thing. And they're talking about, okay, Logan Paul has a six inch uh, height advantage, but then they throw in in the 18 year advantage age wise. And I'm going, well, I, I don't know if that's really an advantage when a guy isn't a, a professional boxer and arguably you're fighting one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, well, the question is, is it a, <laughs> experience may have a role. Yes, right. possible experience has a role in it. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the bottom line. Right. It's the size thing and the, and the, the youth and the, you know, and the, and the age and all the rest of it. And, you know, we live in an era now where you can talk your way into things. And that's, you know, and you can, you can end where these kinds of events, whether we think, no matter what your opinion of them is, they are interesting to people. And so the idea is to present them in a way that will be fun for the people that get a kick out of it uh, and, uh, and, and, and look at it like it's somebody trying to, you know, present the, the sport. And, uh, and, and the thing about the Pauls that's kind of interesting is they truly love boxing, you know. Whatever you want to say about them, they love the sport. And they want to bring new new eyeballs to the sport. Uh, now, whether that is people can decide for themselves whether that is a good enough reason to do anything to support them or not. That's not my choice. That's up to people to decide. But they are very sincere in their love of the sport of boxing. You know, well, there's been a lot of talk out there about, you know, some people think this is bad for boxing and the sport and all that. I don't, like you said, you can have fun with it in that, but... In a strange kind of weird way, is it good for boxing in the sense that, okay, you have this exhibition that we all pretty much know what's going to happen or certainly think we know what's going to happen, but by putting some legitimate fights on there as well, does that bring boxing and some attention to boxers that are going to reach an audience that otherwise probably would never see it? Yeah, I mean, that's the point, right? That was That's supposed to be the point of why the Pauls even got involved in it. They, you know, they want to do it, but they also think, let, give people a chance to see some boxing that wouldn't otherwise see it. At the end of the day, if, yeah, if there's an audience there that's, that kind of thinks boxing might be interesting, and they get to see Bobby Jack and John Pascal in another war like the first fight was, the first fight between those two was, if you like boxing, you like that fight. That was a great fight. So if that is some, those fighters reach somebody that they didn't reach before and somebody looks at that and says, Ooh, that's, that's pretty good. You know, I'd like to see that again. Then that's a win. Uh, now, you know, I tend to look at these things less through the prism of what's good. What's, what's the, the, the ultimate goal of the sport? Because really when you look at everything in life, everything in life is a one-off at the end of the day. Uh, and these things are certainly one-offs. Now, there are, there can be, you know, residual benefits like the one you're just talking about. But at the end of the day, it's an event, and we'll see how it does. And here's the thing, too. I think if there weren't, you know, so many major fights that are coming up here, if, if there was just a void 
And right. this, that's, and that's they were, and we were that. given, if we were given this, then people that's, would say, "Oh my goodness!" But you know what? We can view it more as a one-off and just kind of, you know, right. I don't say laugh it off because we had a great fight last weekend. You've got another fight, uh, you know, with Nodino Donaire coming up here, Al, uh, as well too. There's Fury Wilder three coming up. We got the news about Earl Spence Jr. fighting Manny Pacquiao. So we are back with boxing, and especially here in Las Vegas. Yeah. So with so many other big main marquee events then i think okay you know the, the the boxing fan can tell the difference here right that's very well put and it's exactly true you know it is not as if the sport is telling you this is the main staple right. that they're going to provide you you know we had two weeks ago we had a card out at the uh, uh, uh you know where we're going back again carson the sport, yeah right. uh, park that was among the 10 best shows I've ever done. It was, the three fights were so unbelievably good. And and you mentioned all the all the matches coming up. Boxing's had a terrific year in 2021 and it's going to do nothing but get better. So yes, you can put this out there and say here's it's something interesting. If you get a kick out of it, latch on. And if you don't, well, wait 2 weeks because you know, we'll have we'll have this and somebody else will have that and uh you know, it, 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 it'll all be good. All right. Al Bernstein joins us, Showtime Championship Boxing. Al, let's uh, touch on the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, slash Anthony Joshua situation. You've called a lot of these guys' fights, uh, specifically, you know, you know Joshua. And now it looks like uh, we thought we were going to get Fury and Joshua. We're not going to get that. Uh, this, uh, you know, Deontay Wilder is back, and they're going to fight a third time here this summer. It looks like it will be in Las Vegas, could be at Allegiant Stadium. Talk a little bit about that uh, trifecta, that dynamic here, and, and how we got here with Fury Wilder 3 instead of not Joshua Fury. Yeah, I mean, listen, it ended up being a, I mean, talk about a, uh, you know, crazy, uh, just when you think you've seen everything, they had that Joshua fight all with uh, Fury all but ready to go, and they got a bad ruling, or not a bad ruling, they got uh, a ruling against them from arbitration. And uh, and so the resulting, what results from it is so instead of Joshua Fury, we get uh uh, Fury Wilder, number three, which is still an interesting fight. Uh, and we probably get Joshua against uh, Alexander Yusik, the former cruiserweight champion who is now a heavyweight. Well, both those fights are interesting. So, uh, you know, it doesn't, it's not as if boxing fans will get something that's intriguing. And for Las Vegas, of course, it's a boon because now a big fight has landed here uh, that we wouldn't have had. And and the interesting thing is with Spence Pacquiao now coming here and Bob Arum already uh, opening up fights at the, the Virgin Hotel and Casino, we see in Las Vegas now uh, boxing really making its reemergence here. And, and that's fun for us, you know, for all of us. Forget the boxing scene in general. For those of us that call Las Vegas home, that's a real plus. So I think this ended up being, would we want to see Joshua Fury? Of course. It was a fascinating fight. And and may still see it because once, if if in fact Fury beats Wilder uh, and, and Joshua beats Music, they would, they would presumably still want to fight each other. Al, with all these fights that we're talking about here in the next few months, which one really has your attention? Is it one of these marquee fights or maybe something else that you are really looking forward to? Well, there's a bunch of them. One is 
you know, I think uh, I am curious, by the way, about Fury Wilder. I'm fascinated to see what will happen in that fight. Will Wilder be able to recapture, uh, you know, some of uh, of what he had before, or or was that loss to Fury something that has mentally uh, beaten him in terms of how Fury is? Uh, we have a fight coming up uh, in July. Uh, Brian Castaño against Jamel Charlo, which is a unification match of all the titles in 154 pounds. And I think that's going to be a, uh, you know, that's going to be a terrific matchup. I'm very curious about Spence and Pacquiao. I think that's an intriguing one to be sure. You know, I, 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 I'm curious. We're all curious to see if Manny Pacquiao can, can summon up at the age of 42 enough, you know, to, to get the job done. Um, so there, there are a number of fights that are that are coming up, you know, on the on the horizon that I think are going to be good ones. No doubt. All right, Al. Uh, before we let you go, got to get a little Cubs talk in there. What, what are you thinking about uh, the Cubbies right now? You know, they're showing that they're a halfway decent five hundred ball club at the end of the day. <laughs> Listen to that. A halfway decent five hundred ball club. That really sums it up. It does. It's you true. Know, I, yeah. That's not. Yeah, it's not exactly lavishing them with praise, but yeah. but you know. And a team that could, in that division, if nobody runs away for it from it, still challenge. But the same flaws that they've had recently, they still have. And, uh, you know, I mean, they've benefited from Brian having a better year. And, uh, but, you know, they, the, the, they have some of the players that made them the, uh, the nucleus of the team that for three or four years was a, you know, a, a perennial contender and, a, and one year a champion. But, um, you know, how, how well that can keep them going remains to be seen. I think they're, I think they're probably going to finish the season eight or nine games over 500. Whether that's enough for them to win or get in the playoffs, we'll see. You know, well, it's interesting, too, that you mentioned Chris Bryant there because I was watching a game the other day, and there were some people that think that one of the reasons the Cubs are moving Bryant around so much because people think of him as a third baseman is to let other teams know that even if you don't need a third baseman, this guy can play anywhere, so he's becoming more attractive as you need an outfielder or a second. I mean, he can basically do it all. I think he even played a game at shortstop, so I, I find that a little bit interesting. And real quick, I want to throw this in, too, because I know Showtime, it's all about getting numbers and TV ratings and that you need to remind them that they can put all the comedians on they want and then the thriller thing they had Justin Bieber and Snoop Dogg until they have Al Bernstein singing at some point of the show that's that's what's going to get people to buy the pay-per-view you know Frank you are let me tell you something you sir are correct (laughs) (laughs) I love your point before about the Brian thing I think that was very interesting but then you followed it up with an even better point clearly what could possibly give them higher ratings than me doing some songs (laughs) well all I know is I have returned to the Tuscany Hotel and Casino that the Kenny Davidson show so at least I'm back in the music scene which is which is fun and I appreciate your kind comments Uh, you know dying to get back there and here he is, ladies and gentlemen. This actually could be could be from uh, the Tuscany just uh, last week. The one and only Al Bernstein, ladies and gentlemen. Look at our cracked research staff, Al. I mean, yeah, look at that. Uh, I mean, we play requests here. There he is. Frank makes a request. Boom, we got it for you right here. That was from a couple weeks ago I did that song. See?
I, I wish I could there have been there, go. especially with Kenny's birthday party and everything. And uh, I promise yeah. I, I will return, but I want to return when you are definitely there as well, my friend, because I, I really enjoyed yeah, those I nights there. Gonna, I think before one of these big fights in Vegas, I'll do a guest hosting night there so we can get all the boxing people out. Yeah. It was fun. Good stuff. Are friend. you going to get on the dance floor and dance while he's singing out there? Because have you seen the video of TC dancing at his prom night the other night? <laughs> I have not. Now hey, check out would... his Twitter, the T.C. Martin Show. It's uh, up there. He is getting down, looking look. all the Roaring Twenties gangster threads on from Chicago oh and God. that. He's got the hat. I mean, he's got it going on, my friend. Yeah, there you go. I expect well, that. Martin, I think of uh, somebody doing a Roaring Twenties dance. That's what I think. That's why I don't know if, like I said, if I can get my popping and locking moves to, you know, Al's rendition of that last song that we we heard there, you know? Well, he can probably play something a little bit more upbeat, too. I mean, Al's got a pretty big repertoire. He does. He does. Yeah, we'll give you something that you can do some popping and some... There uh, you you go. There you go. Hey, I watched I watched that you think you can dance for about six years. I know every genre. You know, I know you do, my friend. There you go. And, and Al Burstyn, he'll throw down with some earth, wind, and fire. Another pride of Chicago with the best of them as well. No doubt about it. We know that. All right. All right, buddy. Hey, take, great to visit with you guys. Good to be with you. Take care, Al. We'll see you soon. All right, I, I'm going to be on the show. I know I can't dance. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be the star of that show. You'd be the host. I'm just standing there going, turn that crap off. Uh, <laughs> Oh, there you go. All right. All right. I want to thank Al Bernstein for joining us, BJ Armstrong as well. And tonight, Golden Knights going to try to close it out against the Minnesota Wild tomorrow. We'll recap that. Still not sure exactly what's going to happen, but would it really be much of a surprise if we're talking about a Game 7 tomorrow? Yeah. Happening on Friday night? Wouldn't totally surprise me. Yeah. Although a home team would have to win, and that has been very rare in the series. That's true. <laughs> And uh, will the second period dominance continue and the second period ineptitude of the wild continue? Tune in, 6 p.m. tonight. 7 o'clock tonight on CBS Sports Network. The Las Vegas Aces, they're in action at Phoenix tonight against the Mercury. So looking forward to that. The Aces will be back home Friday night and Sunday uh, at the Mandalay Bay at the Michelob Ultra Arena. By the way, hockey game going on right now. Pittsburgh and Islanders tied 1-1 in an early NHL playoff action. There you go. And I was watching some of the Canadian last night, again, with the red covered seats, uh, you know, the covered up and everything. I still couldn't get used to it. But I, but <laughs> that's looked more normal to me than watching all the cardboard cutoffs of the Clipper game. Stop that. The whole stadium is full. I know. It's a sellout of no one. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website. It's all there for you. Peruse it. Check it out. TCMartinShow.com.